The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. When we investigate the scriptures and look for the vocation narratives of different prophets, Old Testament figures, even in the New Testament, there's a particular pattern that follows. There's a call, they reject it, there's a call again, they explain how they are incapable of it, there's a third call, and then they finally concede. And you look at this, you look at this with Moses, Abraham, Noah, Jeremiah, again, all the Old Testament prophets. In one sense, this is Mary's vocation calling. This is her call narrative, which is interesting because she was already deemed the perfect vessel of God by her own consecrate, like by her own um, birth into the world, being born without original sin. And so people a lot of times wonder, like, well, did she really have free will? Did she really get to choose? And the thing is, she did. But ironically enough, not having original sin means that her will was most perfectly oriented to the will of God. And so she was going to say yes because she didn't have any of the sin to prevent her from saying yes. And we have to think about that for ourselves. Why, why do we fail? We fail because of original sin, because of that innate human desire to let our will take over control of God's will. That's where our problems lie. So Mary, who was given the graces of having original sin removed from her, is able to completely and totally and perfectly follow the will of God in order to bring the Savior into the world, who, by his own death, is the one that gives us our salvation and therefore gives her her salvation. And so the nice thing is God doesn't work to a timeline. That's the, that's the moral of this particular story. 
Because if we were to follow everything in a linear path, this would make zero sense. But God is God, and can he do what he wants to do? Yes, he can, and he works outside of time, which is great. But for Mary's vocation narrative, what's so beautiful is we see, again, an angel comes to her, says, this is what you're going to do, and she's like, I don't think that's going to work because I don't know any guys, and I'm pretty sure that that's how that's supposed to happen. So there's like a, a resistance, not a rejection, just like, I, I don't know how you're going to make it happen. And then when he explains it, her response is just, yes. So there's not a call and a, a running and then a call and a talking about how I'm not capable and then a call and a finally submitting. It's call, question, answer, response. And that's really the ideal vocation narrative for any of us, that when we're in that place of grace, we're in that place of not having the sin to prevent us, and God calls and says, I'm going to call you to be a wife, a mother, a father, a husband, a priest, a sister. We can just say, really? How? It's explained, and we're like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, all for it. That's, that's the ideal, but we don't, we don't live in the ideal. So Mary gives us the great example of what can happen. The other beautiful reality of this, Mary's, and this memorial is the queen of heaven. She's crowned queen of heaven. But if we look at Jewish culture and tradition, we learn that to actually have lineage in the royal family has to be passed down through blood. And so what I find so fascinating is Mary was not part of the Davidic line. Mary, in marrying Joseph, becomes a part of the Davidic line. And so she receives it by, by marriage, and there's a few other actions of that throughout the, the really long vocation, or the genealogy of Jesus. But what Jesus models in even this story of Mary is the adoption. Joseph's adoption of Jesus is the same adoption that we receive through our baptism to God the Father. So even though we're talking about Mary and looking at Mary, we see again a correlation of what Jesus did in a, as a model for the rest of us to receive. So we see a vocation narrative in Mary. We see the, the reality of the adoption that's necessary through uh, Mary and Jesus with Joseph. And lastly, we realize that Mary's response is what we strive for, but the one line, for nothing, it's not even Mary's response, it's the angel's response, for nothing it will be impossible for God. And so the last thing we have to think about is what limits have I put on God's possibilities in my life, in the life of the world? What, what are those look like and, and why have I put those there? What in myself has made me think it's just not possible. Nothing is impossible through the will of God and, and through God's grace and help. We have to cooperate with that, as Mary demonstrates. Even in our brokenness, uh, we'll make mistakes, yet we can come to the Lord to receive mercy and forgiveness because we have been adopted in the family too. We can call on God as Father. Dad, help me. 
So maybe uh, our prayer today can just be, not even for ourselves, let's not even pray for ourselves today necessarily, but praying for the hearts of people who think it's impossible. We pray for the hearts to be broken for people who think things are impossible, that their hearts can be renewed, revigorated, reinvigorated, revitalized, because nothing is impossible with God. Mary shows us that. There's a lot to receive in that, because ultimately she becomes queen. Uh, and so again, that royal inheritance is, is due to us as well. So we pray for those individuals in the world who feel that wherever circumstance they're in, it's impossible. It's, it's not going to happen. I, they don't know how. And we pray not that it just becomes possible, but that their hearts are converted to see God's work in those moments.